You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have a lot to talk about tonight. There's a lot going on right now in Nebraska ball with Huskers in the NIT. Uncertainty with the future of Tim Miles and a potential front-runner for his job. We'll also be take, talking some football, even though the team is on spring break, so let's get right into it. Uh, the basketball team, they got hot at the end of the season, pulling out an exciting overtime win against Iowa in the season finale, and then pulled off two upsets against Ruggers and Maryland in the Big Ten tournament, and finally received a four-seed in the NIT. Tyler, can Tim Miles save his job at this point? Guys, I I really don't know if he can, but I, I will tell you, I think he should be able to. You know, the the moves may have already made up his mind. It may already be a done deal. But you look at how this team finished the season with the way they played in the Big Ten tournament. If they show up in the NIT and they win some games and perhaps make a run to maybe the semifinals or the championship or even a champions, that shouldn't matter. Um you know, the season I know is a disappointment, but we w- we're at 18 wins right now, uh, following a 22 win season. I mean, that's not a that's an average of 20 wins over the last two years. I mean, he's not he did blow up this season, so I, I think these games should matter. Um, I don't know if they will though. Uh, he didn't blow up the season, uh, Derek. Go ahead. He absolutely blew up the season. What are you talking about, Tyler? We were talking uh, two months ago. Not if we were going to make the tournament, but how far we were going to get into this tournament. Come on, he blew the season. It, you know, we lost Copeland. The season was over. Everybody knew it. You could feel from the team. There was no sense of urgency on this team until we played Iowa. And so they made a great run between Iowa, Rutgers, and uh, Maryland. Who gives a shit? I, I Really. You know, the guy has a record of 115 and 113. If we lose to Butler, he's going to be one game above 500 in seven years at Nebraska. He's had two seasons where we had high expectations for this team, and 2015 and then this year. And both years, he kind of just shit the bed. Like, look, I'm sorry, this guy needs to go. And if you're already talking about hiring a different coach and you have a, a front runner in a, in a coaching search, then... They should just get rid of him now, really. There's no point in even keeping him around. So, Derek, uh, even if Tim Miles wins the NIT, I mean, does that mean anything? Should he stay if he wins the NIT? No. You should have no. made the damn tournament like you like you were supposed to. I said, <laughs> I said, hey, I said, I said a month ago it was tournament or bust. So, as far as I'm concerned, so, the NIT so- is bust. I mean. So, Derek, I got a question for you. What is the greatest season Nebraska basketball has ever had? Well, there hasn't been many, obviously, but that's not the point. We're not looking – okay, do we want to keep being the same Nebraska team we've been for the last 20 years, or do we want to start improving? Because Tim Miles had seven years to start improving, and he hasn't done it. He's pulled pulled some wins out of his ass in two different years, and this year he was disappointing – and 2015 was disappointing after losing to Rhode Island, and then we just went to complete hell after that. When has this guy really shown true improvement? 
But, uh, and, and those are fair points. I guess where I was going is I would say the best season in Nebraska history was 1995 when we won the NIT. We have a better record going into the NIT than we did that year. If we won the NIT, you can make an argument this would be the greatest season in Nebraska ball history. Like, we have a better record going into it. I just say it's okay. low bar. That's, low being, bar. that's being the shiniest turd in a punch bowl. Come on, dude. Let's <laughs> let's strive for better. Seriously, we can strive for better. At the end of the day, I really, at the end of the day, you want to know the truth? And I and I'm gonna be the worst fan in the world for this, and I really don't care. At the end of the day, I don't give a rat's ass. Keep him, fire him, hire somebody else. Because all basketball is to me is a distraction to keep me busy until spring ball anyway. And that, my friend, is apathy. Uh, so, moving on. Yesterday, we heard that Fred Hoiberg. Whoa, 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 whoa. Been... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We we can't move on. Justin, what? You are you are the captain of the Tim Miles hate bandwagon. Uh, I I think I know what side of this coin you're on, but you're getting away without giving your take. What are your thoughts on Tim Miles? Should he well, have a shot at keeping your his job? takes are more important than mine? No, I think you should absolutely get rid of him. I don't think he can save his job right now. It's he's made his bed. It's 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 done. He's just done, man. I'd even if he wins the NIT, I don't think that saves him. Uh, Doesn't that make a really skip? Isn't that like a bad president? There's already half the fans that want to keep him. If he wins the NIT and then you fire him, I'm not sure him. it's half. I'm not sure it's half. I think more than half want to move on. If it's more than half, from every Twitter poll I've seen out there, it might be slightly over half, but most of the Twitter polls I've seen have been like 54-46 type splits. I mean, the fans are really torn about this. I I, I don't know why. I really can't figure out why people want to keep this guy. But especially, I get get some people's concerns, because if you fire this guy, who are you going to get? And we're going to get into that here in a few minutes and who this frontrunner is. Uh, but if you can get that guy, this guy that we're talking about, dude, come on, everybody, everybody will change their mind on whether we should have got rid of Miles or not. All right. So uh, yesterday we heard that Fred Hoiberg had been contacted about the head coaching job, and that was according to Jeff Goodman, a tweet that was sent out by him. So Derek, would Fred Hoiberg be a good hire to replace Miles? I, absolutely, he would be a great hire. I do. I do. Will say. I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit on what that what, what people would expect out of him right off the bat. You know, he had a great coaching career at Iowa State. Uh, went, I think, what was it, one fifteen and fifty six. Uh, had a Sweet Sixteen bid or got into the Sweet Sixteen one year. Uh, but look, Iowa State's like far and above what Nebraska is as far as college basketball goes. You know, these guys they've got. Uh, Hold on, let me look at my stats here. Uh, 38, uh, or I'm sorry, 19 NCAA appearances with 19 wins. They've been to the Elite Eight once, the Sweet 16 uh, four times. Uh, look, they've got like 38 guys have been to the NBA, uh, 10 just in the last uh, 15 years. Nebraska's put... 11 all-time into the NBA. The last one was in 1999. Nebraska's been in the... that had, what, seven appearances in the in the tournament? And we're 0-7. The, the history at Iowa State, while maybe not Kansas or North Carolina or Duke, is still far and above what Nebraska is. 
So for everybody to think that Fred Hoiberg is coming here and do what he did at Iowa State, pump the brakes a little bit. But he's still far. It should at least be a lot better than Tim Miles, I hope. He should at least be able to recruit better than Miles, I think. Tyler? Yeah, you know, Derek, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, the guy did a lot of things at Iowa State. I mean, by percentages, uh, you mentioned how great of a program Iowa State has been. I mean, he is, has the best winning percentage in the history of Iowa State basketball. Um, you know, he made, as you mentioned, four NCAA tournaments. I mean, maybe a little bit of disappointments in the tournaments, but won two Big Ten championships in the uh, championship tournaments. I mean, the guy, the guy has shown coaching. There is a sour taste in a lot of people's mo- mouth of what he did in the NBA, and there, there, I see, I see the scene. I seem to see two different um, aspects of that, where people either say, "Oh, that doesn't matter at all," or people say, "Oh my God, the guy can't coach." And, and I don't know really where I line up on that. I guess the only thing I would say is I think it's got to matter somewhat. His last coaching experience was a disaster. He was voted the worst coach in the NBA last season. I mean, I, I think it's got to matter for something. Now, he did a lot of great things in college. Um, you know, can he come back, get back into the recruiting? Um, he had a really good staff when he was at Iowa State. Does Moose give him the resources to develop that? Yet to be seen, but, um, you know, we have the facilities. We have the infrastructure. I, I, I think he would be a really good hire. I, I will go with you know, kind of along with Derek, I don't know if this is a quote-unquote splash hire, but this is a much better hire than we've ever had in basketball at Nebraska before. I I think he's the best guy that Nebraska could realistically get. Realistically, he's the top-notch guy. I mean, at that top level. Anything above him is just that pipe dream that you're just not going to get those guys. And so it's, it is a splash hire by Nebraska standards, I think. But- isn't that the whole argument? We're trying to be better. Derek just said winning the NIT doesn't matter. Be better than Nebraska. So shouldn't we have higher expectations than that? I just don't think with our history, I don't think you're going to get any of these, you know, Bill Self, Roy Williams, Coach K. Those guys aren't coming to Nebraska. It doesn't matter how much you pay them. You well, can get t- Hoiberg. What? Isn't there a tier be, be after Roy Williams and before Hoiberg? I mean, is that the two tiers? Is he that next tier below Roy Williams? I, I, I think there's some other coaches in there that you know that could be that next tier. I think well, that's a uh, Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes wouldn't come here. I'm, I don't know if I'd want him here. I don't care what he's done at Tennessee, but uh, shit, maybe maybe I would want Rick Barnes. I mean, just because he has accomplished, but I mean. That's probably the second tier coaches right there, right? Yeah. Isn't that second tier? Yeah. I don't think I agree. Coming. But <laughs> uh, just just take Hoiberg. I mean, he's not a this guy hasn't coached at a, a mid major or something. I mean, we're not taking a Colorado State guy or a UTEP guy. You know, we're picking up somebody that had success in a Power Six conference in NCAA, and that's huge to me. That's that meets the criteria, and I don't care about whatever happened at the Bulls. I mean, it's not like he got a lot of help from you know the GM putting some players in his lap there. I don't care about that. That sucks, but I like it. So all this Hoiberg talk, it definitely has people fired up for different reasons. Like you guys said, 
you know, people are kind of torn about Miles' future at Nebraska. But, uh, Tyler, do you think Bill Moose should have just fired Tim Miles right after the loss in the Big Ten tournament? Yes. I mean, what you guys are saying, that no matter what happens in the NIT, there's no way he can keep it. And I don't know, I don't agree with that, you know, that philosophy, but you guys might be right. And so if that's the case, all you're doing is potentially muddying waters. Because every game Tim Miles wins, every game he wins at this point is going to add more fuel to the fire. And I'll tell you what this reminds me of, a little bit of when we got rid of Bo Pelini. So when we got rid of Bo Pelini, there's people that will say, oh my God, that was a no-brainer. That was a terrible decision. I remember the fan base being very divided on what we should do. And that's where we are today. And Mike Riley, when he struggled off the bat, everyone said, oh, Bo Pelini would have been doing better. And if Hoiberg or whoever your next coach is comes in and struggles and Miles makes a run in the NIT, you're going to hear a lot of people second-guessing that decision from Bill Moose. I, I think all you're doing is giving an opportunity for Miles to maybe add more fans and decide that he should get one more year. Well, I do agree with pretty much everything you're saying there, Tyler. As far as next year goes, I don't think anybody has any expectations because, I mean, the best-case scenario, Roby stays, and he's our star player. Worst-case scenario, he jumps for the NBA and goes and plays in the G League somewhere like Tyron Petaway did. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're our, our roster's depleted. We have nobody left on this roster. Palmer's going to be gone. Copeland's going to be gone. Watson's going to be gone. There's really no proven talent on this team because Tim Miles won't play any backups during the game unless he's up 40 points, which only happened like twice. So I don't think that Bill Moose should have fired Tim Miles after the Big Ten tournament. I I think you just let him finish the season, let him finish with his players. Because as critical as I am of Tim Miles, he is a really great ambassador for uh, Nebraska, the program. I mean, he's he's a great guy. You love his energy. Uh, you know, he's. I, th- I think he coaches hard, and he hasn't given up. It hasn't panned out in his uh, way, you know. But uh, but he's a he's a very good man. I think. I mean, so I think we owe it to him to finish the season. Being a good guy don't get you far in Nebraska. Ask Mike Riley. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true, but you know, just like Mike Riley, is great ambassador for the program. I mean, I, he's just a stand-up guy. I, so just, yeah, just let him finish the season. I get uh, it. But I, I agree with Tyler. Like, I think, I think all you're doing is just tearing your 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 fans apart even more. The longer you let him stay, because every because like Tyler said, every win that he gets is, is going to give more fuel to all the people that do want to keep him and say, oh, yeah, see, look what he's doing in the NIT, which is something we can't do, we haven't done for the last 20 years, so why would you want to get rid of him? Here's the thing. Fans are going to bitch no matter what Bill Moose does. If you fire him after that, fans are going to bitch. If you wait, fans are going to bitch. Fans just do that because fans know better, right? So we're bitching about it. I mean, it it seems pretty (laughs) apparent to me that Bill Moose is going to fire the guy, considering he was expecting us to lose to Rutgers and booked his plane ticket to leave after the Rutgers game. Yeah, well, there's that. So, uh, Tatter, any final thoughts on that? No, I I mean, I, I, just, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I mean, the guy is a good ambassador. The guy has kept his team 
playing hard, especially down the stretch. I mean, injuries, you know, I know we talked about this a long time ago, the Copeland injury, you know, we can't let that be the excuse. But, that, I mean, I again, the season was bad. I, I just think right now the margin of firing him, in my opinion, is small. Like, I would lean towards firing him. I don't think we're going to make a deep run in the NIT, but, man, I mean, I think we could beat Butler. I think we're about to get to that, but um, but I think we could beat Butler, and who knows, one more victory? I mean, you're, you're, you have a shot. I, I guess I get so tired of this. You know, he had him playing so well down the stretch. There was a two-month stretch in there where he didn't have him playing worth a shit. Maybe if he'd had these guys <laughs> playing good for those two months, we would be in the tournament. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. The problem is, for two months, where was Ro- where was Roby? He, he, you know, he showed up one out of three games, and then you had uh, Palmer. He'd show up for a game or two and get you some points here and there. Then he'd have games where he wouldn't get you hardly ten points. Watson couldn't hit a damn three to save his life for two months. I mean, now, then all of a sudden we played Iowa and we played these these teams at the end. We get, we went on this little run. If pe- if people had had this conversation before that Iowa game. Again, this wouldn't even be a topic on the podcast because everybody in the damn nation would be saying, fire this guy. So be that as it may, the Huskers are a four seed in the NIT. Uh, They play Butler tomorrow night. So looking at the NIT bracket and the Huskers' depth, uh, how deep can this team realistically go into the tournament, Derek? Well, again, I'm going to be the asshole here and say I'm hoping they're just one and done. We get done with Butler, and we can just go ahead and fire Miles and move on. Uh, Best-case scenario, I think maybe we beat Butler and probably get knocked out in the second round. I, I don't see us getting deep at all. I, it don't look good for Nebraska. We can't play on the road, and that's what's going to happen if in the second round anyway. So, Tyler? Yeah, I agree with Derek. I mean, I think you're, if you're in Nebraska, you're hoping for an upset where you can maybe get a second home game um, because, Derek's right, we can't play on the road. I do like our chances against Butler. I think that Pinnacle Bank Arena is going to be bumping, with, especially with all the, you know, all of what's going on in Nebraska. I think they're going to come out and play hard, and they're going to. I think they're going to win that game. But ultimately, I, I don't see this team going very far. Um, but I'll tell you what, Johnny Trueblood may show up, and he may be the savior and uh, keep the Husker hopes alive. So a lot of people are like pointing at a potential matchup against Creighton in the quarterfinals. Derek, no chance that we get there, right? <laughs> I don't think so. No? We've got, what, like five players that are on scholarship right now that are eligible to play yeah. or not hurt or eligible to play. I mean... We can't rotate anybody. And Tyler, you bring about Johnny Trueblood. And I, look, I love the kid. He's got an awesome name, and he's got a great story. Like the kid's got effort, and he's got the heart to play. But I mean, look, let's face it; he's getting like four points in the game. I mean, it's not like he's just destroying people out there. He just he plays plays with a lot of heart, and he's got a lot of effort. And, he, and I credit him for that, and that's awesome. But let's not make him out to be some superstar either. Hey, Johnny Trueblood, I have a feeling he's going to score eight against Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, uh, let's bring it to football. Again, the, the team is on spring break this week. Derek, what has been the biggest storyline coming out of spring camp to you? Oh, you know, right now I'm going to stick with uh, Cam Jurgens moving over to center. Uh, the media was there for all of like 30 minutes uh, last week. Uh, you know, 
he, he was playing with the ones. They say he's up to 285. He looks explosive coming off the line. Uh, it's a lot to imagine that a redshirt freshman could start at center, especially one that came over from tight end. But who knows? I mean, Frost seems to love him at that position, and uh, Greg Austin seems to like what he's doing. He says he's one of the most teachable guys that he's ever seen. So, I, you know, I kind of I wish the best for the kid. So I think that, to me, that is probably one of the better stories. Tyler, what do you think of that Cam Drogan story? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, you know, when we did our original depth chart, I had mentioned that I thought there was a shot this guy could be the starter. You know, there there's becoming more fuel to that fire, so I may look smart for once um, on this podcast, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I, I think, yep, yeah, there's a lot to be seen. You know, will, will he be that number one center? You know, Derek mentioned that, that that's going to be a challenge, but that is probably the most competitive race on the offensive side of the ball is going to be who's going to be our starting center next year. So what is your biggest storyline? I think it's the emergence of the secondary. You know, you, you've heard Ryan Held mention the secondary as one of the most impressive units. You've seen film of Lamar Jackson looking impressive in practice. Um, I believe Lincoln Journal Star just, or Omaha World Herald, one of the papers just wrote an article on Deontay Williams, how he is really finding his place. Uh, Cam Taylor is often mentored. I mean, you look right now, our secondary might be our best unit um, on the team, and that's not something I expected even a couple weeks ago. Um, that, that emergence of that unit could be a huge difference in this team. And if they are the best unit, I mean, that could make a whole difference in a couple more wins for the Huskers. Um, I, I'm very optimistic of what this defense is looking like in that secondary unit right now. Derek, thoughts on the secondary? No, I, I agree. Uh, I think part of the best thing that came out of that story was uh, Zach Duvall talking about how much he hated working with that with that, with that group last year because they were kind of lazy and didn't want to do anything. And now this year, they're one of the one of the leaders in the in the weight room. They're, they're in there all the time. Uh, Justin, I, I, I seen the look on your face, and I know what you think of the Lamar Jackson thing. I'll let you get to that when you want. But, uh, look, we're seeing fire out of this kid that we hope to see for the last four years, three or four years, and we haven't seen it from him. And I think I do think it shows progress at least. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, Tyler, I agree. I still worry about the safeties. Uh, Deontay Williams, I think, is going to be a, pretty much given as a starter. But that other st- safety is still up in the air. Defensive side, that might be one of the most curious battles out there. I just I, right now, there's players that are we developing them good enough? I hope, but who who, who are we going to have to start, and who's going to be able to rotate through? Because you know these guys like to rotate everybody on defense. So all I was laughing about is uh, when Tyler brought up Lamar Jackson in the video of him blowing up that red shirt freshman wide receiver off the line of scrimmage. And everybody out on social media just started puffing their chests out, high five, and saying "boom, yeah, they're vicious." You know, like I just thought, I, I just thought that it was just way overhyped. That's all. I, I thought it was a little bit silly that people were making it sound like it was he did it against a real person. Oh, <laughs> I <mean>, oh. <laughs> come on! He did do a, a redshirt freshman walk on wide receiver but, it, it but wasn't against just, anybody good no so I, i'm called i'm called it, I'm it, it did not excite me one bit i didn't it, get it excited did it. 
It, it did. I you, exactly, Justin. You think it's a laughable thing? You think a player showing great physicality because he wasn't doing it against an All American shows nothing? Lamar no, I, Jackson has been scrutinized over and over, and a lot has to do with effort and physicality. I and just thought I, it was I, ridiculous how people were trying to pump that up to make it sound like he was going to be, you know, the next next Brown, you know. Mike Brown or whatever, you know, I, I just thought it, I thought it was silly. I just but but there's more evidence to just that play. Look at the second half of last year. You have not oh, right, gotten on this right. Lamar Jackson bandwagon. You need to get on this bandwagon quickly. Well, I, I, I hope to. I hope to. Hey, I, I, I did agree. You know, he, he did turn it on last year. So I know that he was headed in the right direction. But come on. I mean. Blowing up a red freshman wide receiver isn't exciting to me. So uh, let's talk about depth amongst the different position groups right now. Uh, Tyler, are there any position groups that you could use uh, that could use help from the transfer portal? You know, I, I yes, to answer the question, yes. Um, you know, my probably my biggest position I would like to see if we get one is another running back. You know, there there is question marks right now with Mo Washington where he's going to be at next year. But let's put it aside and say that guy's going to play. I, I'm not quite ready to bank the future of the running backs, in which I believe is a very crucial part of our team, um, on Mo Washington. And even if I was willing to bank it on Mo Washington, I'm not confident in the depth behind him. Uh, whether it be Bradley, Missouri, Mills, whoever you want to put back there, I, I'm not. I'm not overly excited about any of them so i think getting another running back in there um allows a guy like Dietrich mills to get a year under his belt and play better the next year bradley another year instead of making them crucial parts of the team this year um i that would be my position i would love to see us bring in another body derek well i have another one but i want to kind of go on your your, i want to kind of add to your running back situation here uh, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, Washington, with his legal situation, we have no clue what that's going to bring come fall. Uh, he may not even be on the team come fall. We don't know. I hope he is, but he could also be suspended for half the season. We, right now, the only player we have on our, on our roster that we know is going to be here is Jalen Bradley and Wyatt Mazur. Those are the only two guys we got practicing with the ones because that's all we have here. I mean, Dedrick Mills will come in in the summer, but who knows if he's going to be ready by fall. Uh, Ramir Johnson and Ronald Tompkins. Ronald Tompkins has a torn ACL. Who knows if he's going to be ready? Uh, Ramir Johnson, you know, he could be ready, but you re- do you really think we're going to have a true freshman come in in back-to-back years and make a big impact? I think that's a little far-fetched to think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I think running back would be a great position to go after. Another one I think is, uh, for the same reasons, is inside linebacker. Like, we have some really good inside linebackers. We have Mo Berry. We have Will Honus. We have Colin Miller, who's making it another big story for uh, uh, throughout the spring, which is awesome. But if one of those guys goes down, who do you have? I mean, we're relying on two true freshmen and Jackson Hanna, who's not even here yet, and uh, Nick Henrik. And I'm sure he's going to be a great – I'm sure he'll be a great run, uh, inside linebacker in time, but – you know, there's just no depth at that inside linebacker. I'd love to see us. We do have three scholarship players available that we can go pick up some of these transfers. So, to me, inside linebacker and running back would be, would be my top two. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, both are solid right there. 
What about outside linebacker? Do you? Th- I mean, could you see him going after a good outside linebacker? I don't think you need to. There's so many outside linebackers on this on our roster. I mean, we have ten outside linebackers on our roster right now. We have Quayshon Alexander, David Al- David Alston, Alex Davis, Breon Dixon, Tyron Ferguson, Pernell Jefferson, Caleb Tanner, and JoJo Doma, just to name a few. And you know, there's enough talent there. Develop them. Like let, let's get let's get some something out of the talent that we have here. I don't think there's any reason to waste another spot on another outside linebacker. That's another argument I seen was uh, wide receiver. Somebody should, we should go after. But Jesus, we got. 18 wide receivers on this roster. 16 of them are already here. Now, a lot of them are walk-ons. Most of them are probably people we don't even ever heard of. But, you know, let's get Williams in this uh, going. Let's get Jerome Woodyard going. McQuitty. We got Wondell Robinson, who everybody's expecting so much out of. Let's let's develop the talent that we have rather than go, just going after more players. Let's, if we're going to go after more players, let's go where the depth is an issue, not we're looking for a playmaker. Tyler, do you agree? You know, outside backer was a position I was considering. Wide receiver is a position I had considered, too. I'm not... You know, I think outside backer, Derek, you're right. We have a lot of depth. We have a lot of unproven depth. Um, so if we could get a guy that could contribute, I, I would say that's not a bad spot. But to me, my number two was interior offensive linemen. Um, you look at that center position. You look at one of our our opposite guard outside of Wilson. Um, you know, you, there's a chance you could be playing two walk-ons this fall. I think if you can get another interior offensive lineman, um, even if it's a guy just to add depth and not a guy that's going to start, man, I, th- I think that's a move that the Huskers should look at. That would be, if, I, if my number one priority would be running back, my number two would be interior line. I, 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 I think... Inside backer, outside backer, wide receiver would all be good options for that third spot. Um, you know, outside that, I don't know if there's really another position. I think we need depth, maybe safety, but um, yeah, I, I I would go. Those would be my top two, and then you could argue for that third spot if we wanted to fill it. Agree, Derek. I, I agree with the interior line. Obviously, I disagree with the outside backers and wide receivers, but. Uh, yeah, the interior line, like if you, especially if you can find a true center. I mean, nothing against Cam Jurgens. I know I just talked about how good of a story that was, but if you can get a proven center to come in, so we're not relying on a redshirt freshman. But, I mean, because chances are we're either we're relying on a walk on or a redshirt freshman at center this year. It's going to be either Will Farniak, who'd be a redshirt freshman, Cam Jurgens, or uh, Hunter Miller. Hunter. So. You know, your choices are pretty limited at center. So, yeah, I agree. Like, that's not a bad spot to go after. Yeah, that sounds good, Tyler. Uh, I like that interior lineman. Hell, you know what? If you have scholarships to to give, don't sit on them. Give them away. I don't care what position group, truthfully. Get, get a playmaker that can come in and make an impact. That's who I want to see uh, coming through the transfer portal, ultimately. So, uh Great stuff, guys. Great show. But it's time to move on to last call. Uh, last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes out to Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, last night, he passed Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time scoring record. You know, I, I think this guy is one of the most underrated players in NBA history. He may be one of the 20 best players to ever play the game. 
Um, you know, I, I think he's done it the right way. Played in one city, and he kind of gets overlooked. Um, there's been a lot of talk if this was going to be his last year or not. I hope it is. I, I want to see him go out with a little bit of dignity left in his game and not playing four minutes a night because um, he deserves it. Kudos to him. Derek? No, that's awesome for the guy. I've, I've always kind of liked Dirk. Uh, you know, he's still got a long ways to get to Kareem, but, you know, passing Wilt on any list is always a good thing, I think. So kudos to that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime that you stick around in the league 21 years, that's a tough league to stick around in. And uh, kudos to him. That's just that's just awesome. Last call to you, Derek. All right, well, Tyler, I'm going to – you just brought up the fact that he plays for one team in his whole career, and it now looks like there may be another player in a different sport doing this in a league that this never happens anymore. Mike Trout just signed a 12-year, $430 million contract. Good Lord, to stay with the Angels. And really threw everybody off because he's not even a free agent till next year. So he signed this extension before he even became a free agent. Uh you know, Bryce Harper had his little pitch trying to get him to come back home to Philadelphia, and it's it's all going to the wayside because he decided he wanted to stay in Southern California, and I think that's kind of cool. I, I do. I I would think you'd be a little more of a competitor and go for a team that might want to win, but, you know, $430 million talks. I think that's just batshit crazy. That much money for that long? Four hundred thirty million dollars. I mean, you're just aren't you know? We, we said this uh, thing a couple of weeks ago when Bryce Harper, when he got his big deal. Yeah, you know, we, we what was that? Three hundred thirty million. Yeah, it's, and it's we insane. thought, yeah, it is just absolutely insane. That the I understand he's one of the best players in all of baseball right now, if not the best. But four hundred thirty million for twelve years. My God, that's I hope the Angels suck. Well, the, I mean, the the biggest problem is between him and Pujols, they're going to have no no money left to go get anybody to help him out anymore. Yeah. You know what? I just want to throw this out there before I give it to Todd. I mean, is he just signing that, you know, is he just going to sign that deal, accept that deal, and not just, I guess, accept the fact that he's never going to win a pennant? He's just never going to win a World Series. Is, is that what it is? I don't know. Tyler? I have, I have a lot of takes on this one. But, uh, you know, I'm going to start with the pools thing you guys brought up. I, I'm shocked that the Angels are paying this much for a guy. Um, you know, the pools experiment was a disaster for them. Um, I thank you again for taking them off the Cardinals' hands. Uh, but, but what I will say is I will give them credit, though. I think it's smart when they got this offer done because – you know, they were going to offer him a lot of money. And if you really want this guy to be there, um, why give it another year? Let's get this guy locked under this contract while he's still in his prime. That's one last year on the downslope of his career you're going to pay him. Obviously, it's too much money. But it, it is interesting. I had a lot of internal debate, and I'm going to circle this around for a bonus last call. What contract's better for the team? Is it the Harper or is it the Trout? Which team got the better bargain, do you guys think? Trout, easy. I think Trout's a better player. I think uh, Harper, I, he's got so much downside because he goes into these slumps way more than Trout ever does. Trout's a better defender. 
Trout's an all-around better. Hundred million more. A hundred million more. They paid a hundred. Is he a hundred million bet? Yeah, I mean it's it's one less year too. I mean, and, and look, I mean Trout's just what he's like twenty six years old. So you're gonna have this guy till he's what thirty eight. I mean he's probably gonna be at the end of his career at that point. But you know, I mean you still have him in his prime. Both organizations were idiots. I mean they <laughs> shit moves. By both organizations. I, I, Locking I'm up go, players for 12, to 13, 12 and 13 years, nuts. I, I'm going to go with slight advantage. I think the Bryce Harper deal, because it's a lot cheaper, is slightly the better deal. All right, last call to me, and my last call is going to go out to former Ohio State quarterback Tate Martell. He was just granted immediate eligibility to play at Miami. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. So apparently, I don't know what's going on with the transfer ruling now, but it, I don't know. Shit. Tyler. Well, I agree with you. I, they, this whole sitting out a year thing, the NCAA just needs to get rid of it. I, it they, they give anyone who applies an exemption from it. There seems to be no rhyme or reason for it. Um, you know, and, and, I I have mixed feelings with it to begin with. I like it for the competitive balance, but it's become a joke. And let, let's just get abolish it and move on. Um, but that you know, for Tate Martell, that that is a huge windfall. I mean, that that I mean, this guy could be a really good player, and the fact that he's going to play next year um, is a huge props. Derek, well, you can't just abolish it because. It will be it will be free agency, free for all. Coaches on different campuses recruiting other kids. Well, you can't. You just can't go that route. Uh, you do need to fix this rule. You need to figure out something. Uh, quit quit letting every player for every little reason play immediately. I personally don't think uh, Breon Dixon or Shea Patterson. They were maybe an exception to the rule, but I don't think they should have been eligible to play last year. I don't think Federal should have been eligible to play last year, and I damn sure don't think Justin Fields or Tate Martell should be playing this year. Uh, this has been the rule for 100-something-odd years. Let's just leave it. I mean, it's worked for that long. Why is it all of a sudden now it's not working anymore? These, these, kids, are hiring, these kids are hiring lawyers, and I don't, I don't know where they're coming up with money to pay these lawyers. But that's what's getting them out of this, these lawyers. And the NCAA don't want to fight the lawyers. So they just cave in and go, yeah, sure, whatever. Go ahead and play. It's, it's, yeah. it's bogus. It certainly seems like the same rules don't apply to everybody. So it's it's a racket. But Well, but, but I, I just want to say, the, the reason why I think you need to abolish it, because you brought it up, they're making adjustments for kids on an individual basis. If I'm the NCAA and I'm their risk advisor, I'm sitting there saying, guys, you know what you're doing? Every time you make an exemption for a kid, you're opening up a class action lawsuit for people that did not get this exemption. And... And not to go down this thing, but that that is a huge door that the NCAA does not want to open up. It is a potential for all the kids that didn't get an exemption. Well, why didn't they get an exemption? Do you really want to pull at that string, NCAA? Yeah, I, I Sam- don't think so. I, I think you need to get. I, I think you need to abolish this rule, um, or add a lot more clarity to what get, qualifies for an exemption. Yeah, Sam Keller will probably try to get an extra 17 bucks out of the NCAA for having to sit out when he transferred to Nebraska. But 
that's a different episode. Hey, uh, it's time to get out of here, guys. Great stuff. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Our episodes can be found everywhere to include Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. We appreciate any and all feedback, and please share our episodes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.